for us to be complaining about things just seems insane to me. We have so much to be grateful for. And I think you just have to start in a place of recognizing what you already have. I think the people who never really experience abundance are the people who need the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And there's nothing wrong with going to something new and something next. But if you don't feel rich where you are right now, I don't care how much money and prestige you pile on top of it. It's never going to freaking change. If you can't understand how to create a psychology of appreciation and gratitude on the front end, you're going to be, in my experience, super disappointed because... Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance and prosperity in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. Today's intro may sound a little bit off, and that's because I'm back in my original studio. Over the last three years, about two and a half, just under two and a half years, Almost every single episode was recorded right here in the cab of my 2011 Toyota Tacoma because at the time when I first started this podcast, I had a full-time job. I would go out during lunch and during my breaks and record the episodes with the guests, and then I would do the editing and all that stuff later. But right now I'm traveling. I just traveled from Florida all the way across over to Arizona. And I'm staying with family, and since I'm staying with family, I don't have my nice comfy office where the acoustics are better and the noise can be drowned out. So I'm sitting out of my truck while the family's still in the house so that I can get these audios done for you, get the intros and outros done. All the recordings for the conversation was already done months ago. So I'm just adding in the outro and the intro, and we're going to get it done. So as I said, I've been traveling, and it took four days to drive from Florida to Arizona with two of my three boys. And along the way, of course, you know, as you're driving and you're staying in a hotel and just all this other stuff, I was just reflecting on all the things that I've been doing over the last couple of years. And I've been watching the billboards and, and being a business and life strategist. I'm just wanting to get out and fix these ads on these billboards and all this other kind of stuff. That's for another story, for another podcast. But I spend all this time helping other businesses innovate their business so that they can dominate their industry. And I was thinking, what have I done lately to innovate Men of Abundance? So I started brainstorming that and started thinking of it. And I came up with what I think is a great solution, not just for Men of Abundance, but for you. Now, you may or may not know this, but by listening to Men of Abundance, you should know if you've been listening for a while, the best thing that you can do in your life and for yourself is to give to others. You know, I talk about mindset, I talk about strategy, I talk about getting your story your story right, and by your story I don't mean like getting your story down like you're going to make sure you and your brother or you and your sister are going to go tell your parents a story that something happened and you're going to make sure your story's lined up. Nothing like that. I'm talking about the story that you're telling yourself in your head. So you have to have all that right. And when it all comes down to it, at the very end, none of it matters unless you are able to pay it forward and give to others. And it is so easy to do stuff like this. Let me give you an example. One of the things that I found, and I learned this from one of my other guests, quite frankly, is you know when you're at Starbucks and you're in line, you're going through the drive-thru, and you pay for the person behind you. It's easy to do that because... You don't know the person behind you. The person behind you doesn't have to feel awkward because you're paying for their meal or paying for their coffee or whatever it is. Uh, Or you can do this in any other drive-thru. I'm just using Starbucks. But this guy told me, he said, you know, I like to walk inside the Starbucks. And I do too. I like to go inside the Starbucks because I like to see people's faces. I like to talk to people. I I like to have a little bit more personal, um, personable and personal interaction with people that I'm doing business with and people that I'm talking to. So I go inside, but there was a dilemma. How am I going to pay for somebody's coffee behind me in line? 
And what he came up with was, you don't do that. What you do is you ask the cashier, the, the barista, or whoever there that you're talking to, to pay for the person that's in the drive-thru. And I thought, well, that's brilliant. But I wanted to take it a step further. And what I wanted to start doing was handing out a little card. And I would say, pay for the person. I want to pay for the person in the drive-thru. But when you do, tell them that your meal is paid for or your order is paid for and just hand them this card. And it's a little card that says, Men of Abundance, the Pay It Forward community with the website. And I'll write a little note on the back of it and say, Hey, I just wanted to make your day today. Or maybe something that says, you're awesome. Or maybe something that says, Think, be abundant in your thoughts and actions. Some little message, and then it says, you know, pay it forward on there as well. And hopefully they will pay it forward and hand that card off to the next person. And I thought, well, this is a brilliant way to also share this with you, the listeners, so that you can not only pay it forward, give to others, feel amazing about it and doing it, and share men of abundance at the same time. So if you're willing to do that, then what I've done is I've created a page at menofabundance.com slash PIF for pay it forward. And you can go there and you can print out a sheet and it's got these little cards on it. And you can print that sheet out and cut those cards out. And then you can have that when you hand that off to pay for either somebody at McDonald's or somebody at any other restaurant that you're going to. If you want to pay for somebody's table as you're getting ready to leave, say, hey, I want to take care of that couple's uh, bill over there. Just here's the money and give them this little card. I personally think it's a great gesture because you're paying for somebody's meal or you're paying it forward somehow and then you're giving them a card so that they can pay it forward to the next person. So they're going to get a little bit better. I'm traveling so please excuse it. It's not the best thing out there but I'm going to make it better and I'm going to have a video up there as well. I'm going to be at the Grand Canyon over the next couple of days. I may be able to record some videos up there to make it even more beautiful. But go there and check that out and pay it forward whether you use the cards or not just pay it forward i'm telling you it will make your day and it will make somebody else's day so again you can go to menofabundance.com slash pif all right so our future guest today is a professional speaker peak performance coach competitive athlete and the owner of bergford performance systems he specializes in helping motivated and athletic CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners master their mental training game and take their business, athletic pursuits, and life to the next level. Colored by a depth of experience across a variety of disciplines, Brian's focus is creating the most powerful psychology and mindset possible in his clients. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Brian Bergford. Brian, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me join you today. Uh, it's absolutely my pleasure, man. And before we get to before we get started, normally I ask uh, what you're grateful for today. But before we even do that, I want to uh, throw basically throw out what I'm grateful for, and that is um, Courtney over at Zippy Content. Uh, give her a shout out because she's been sending me some amazing people to have these uh, conversations with. Totally grateful for that. What's your experience been with working with Courtney over at Zip? zippy content uh, i have really enjoyed working with them not only the fact that i just like courtney she's a good person and she runs a really good operation but it really helps me in the fact that again as we were talking a little bit before the show having having the opportunity to have a message that i can share and get out there but also recognizing the reality of my time constraints and I'm not going to be able to necessarily like go out and do all the logistical work to try and connect with people and like book myself into, into shows. And so having somebody to partner with is really powerful for me and it's just been a great relationship and arrangement. Yeah, it's super convenient. And guys, if you've never tried to connect with somebody who's a content creator, whether it's a vlog, a blog magazine, podcaster, you name it, you really have to connect with them. I get a lot of people that want to be on the show for various reasons. But quite frankly, I take most of my uh, guests either through a personal recommendation, but most of them come from a uh, organization, a program like Zippy Content. And Courtney sends me a lot of great people. When she sends me somebody, I take a look at them. Most people that just contact me, I may get to it. I just can't promise it. I just get too many too many uh, requests. So I can definitely see the, how that makes a huge impact in 
your ability to manage your own schedule and let somebody else do all that, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, anything that can, again, help me get the word out there and add as much value as I possibly can without me getting caught up in all the legwork and stuff because that's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of work, a lot of work and a lot of time. So where are you at in the world? I am in Colorado. Uh, I am just north of Denver, enjoying a very nice cold spell here. <laughs> but I, you know, I, was, I know I was telling you a few moments ago, it it's been snowing, which has been great for like the moisture factor. But it hasn't been like dumping on us, which is great because you can still get out and about and travel and get back and forth between places. And it's been that really super light, beautiful snow globe type of snow. It's just been very picturesque. Uh, and a couple of mornings, it was like really foggy. So, you know, you'd get up and there would be frost on all the pine trees. And it looked like those Christmas trees that are fabricated in the store with the frost mm -hmm. on all of the pine needles. And so it's, it's actually been quite gorgeous, but I'm ready for spring. I am ready for some warmth. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, I got to tell you, man, you paint a beautiful picture uh, as I'm looking out my window here in sunny Tampa, Florida. Uh, but I have lived in the snow. I lived in Germany for a while and it was just crazy, crazy snow. It's just, I don't know, it's just not as romantic as people make it out to be. To visit's great, but to live in it is a whole different world, man. <laughs> it truly, truly is. And I love it when it's snowy outside and I'm inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. Not Next to a fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I like to start out with an attitude of gratitude, brother. What do you have to be grateful for today? Other than zippy or zippy content and Courtney, <laughs> uh, honestly, what I'm most grateful for at this time is just the fact that I know like God's got my back, you know, as I kind of go do through different things. I've been through enough stuff in the past to just know like, oh, this is going to be fascinating. I'm going to see how he works all this stuff out. So I'm very grateful that um, I have that basically in my hip pocket. And um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's, you know, sometimes we think of gratitude in the past. And I think being grateful about the future is a very powerful tool as well. And so I tend to toggle back and forth between those and make sure that I'm, and also the, the present moment. I shouldn't miss that, you know, past, present, future, it's all important to me. It's, it's extremely important. I absolutely love the way you brought that up because uh, so many people are so grateful and so excited about things that they've done in the past. But, you know, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> and I'm and I say that to myself in the mirror, right? Because, you know, I've done some amazing things in my past. But if I just sit back on that, I think about, you know, um, Bundy on, on Married with Children. Uh, you know, he, he used to always reminisce about his football days and those were his best days of his life, you know, high school football. But what has he done since then, you know, type of thing. So, and I love important. that. I love that too. That's, that's super powerful. And that's something I'm very passionate about. So one thing in full transparency that drives me absolutely bonkers is watching people sit around talking about that. And you can just tell uh, the way it, like I talk about the past too, and I think mm -hmm. it's great, but when people are like harping on that and you can tell they've kind of given up the ghost, they're just still te like technically hanging out on earth because they don't have a compelling future and they're not looking forward to adding more value. Listen, like the best days can always be ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Um, even if I think of something for myself, like competing and swimming, uh, that's something that I love to do, but I'm like thinking way down the road. I'm, I'm like, when I'm like 97, I could be in the best swimming shape of my life because it's all relative, right? It's all based on what your current potential is and how close you are to that and taking the lessons and some of the things we've learned as we've gone through life and being able to apply that now. And I feel like that can just compound with age and put you in very powerful positions. And I think that the more people are out there doing that kind of thing, it inspires the snot out of me. I was at a, uh, a meet competing like couple weeks ago and there's this like 72 year old guy that was just killing it i mean he was <laughs> taking out people that were like 30 40 years younger than him and i was like that is how i want to be when i'm 72 that's awesome yeah that is really cool i i really really dig that too and guys one of the things that i want to caution you on in this in this 
thought process and I want your uh, input as well, Brian, is, you know, you let's take, for instance, let's look at a swimmer, for instance, who, you know, swimming is a low impact sport, but it's, it takes a lot of stamina. And if something were to happen in your life and you were the high school champion and then you went on to college and, you know, you did it, even if you did it professionally, you did it in your community, you were just excellent at it. And everybody knew you by that. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you can no longer do that. Call it swimming, call it basketball, call it whatever you want. It doesn't have to be a sport. And then, you know, a lot of people, my point is a lot of people take on an identity that that's your identity. But what we're talking about here is not reminiscing on that, but moving forward in another way and bringing value to your community, even if it's to coach and mentor others in something that you were so great in at one point in your life. Yeah, I love that. And it, you know, volunteering and being able to give to other people, life's definitely it, it changes, it throws curveballs at you, crazy things happen, dreams get dashed, et cetera, et cetera. And I think having the resiliency and like you were speaking to, not wrapping identity up in, it's it's sort of like diversification in finances is the way that I think of it. So if I have my identity tied to any one thing, it's very easy to completely knock me off course. If my identity is spread across a lot of different areas, I have a lot of options and it's not going to collapse at the first sign of, oh my gosh, I can't believe like this thing happened. And so preparation is so powerful in a lot of ways. This is another place for me that it comes in is just assume that the crap is going to hit the fan and (laughs) don't act like it's not. And again, you know, it's better to sweat in peace than bleed in war and making sure that you've got some things set up ahead of time uh, before it shows up and then you just have to deal with it. Um, So preparation goes a long way. We can't know what the future is going to hold, but we for sure know that change is going to be there. So uh, it's positioning yourself for that, I think is a very good tool to employ. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It takes a lot of resiliency. So resiliency can be um, studied prophylactically, meaning you can, you can plan ahead. That's the whole purpose for resiliency training. I was a master resiliency trainer in the army and we always tried to teach people how to be resilient in the event that an, you know, a a, a significant emotional event occurred that you could get through that rather than on the back end of it and trying to deal with all the, you know, all the issues afterwards. And yeah, absolutely. And the training that goes into your day to day is so powerful in that. So like for me, I primarily work with when I'm either when I'm like speaking or especially in one-on-one coaching that I do for people, performance coaching for athletic executives and CEOs, that takes a certain mindset for a person like that, right? To be really athletic and to own businesses or be like top level executive. And so you do have to have a lot of things really in place and they they play well off of each other. So a lot of the things that you, you know, people learn in sports and the resiliency and knowing that like, if you hang in there, you will find your second wind and just having the mental fortitude to push forward. Those skills then bleed over into the business world. And then a lot of the business world stuff filters back in. And so it's this nice dynamic and flow, but it comes down to, for me, how people, walk through their daily life and what they do and the practices they have in place and how consistent they are. Because if you build up a good reserve and then something happens, you're taking out a withdrawal as opposed to declaring emotional bankruptcy. Right. Uh, so that's, that's another way that I, I try to look at it for myself because I just know in the past I've had plenty of times where I was not prepared and I got kicked really hard and <laughs> I was like oh I'm out for the count and that sucks you want to have a plan for it's like Mike Tyson one of the smartest things I've ever heard said was his everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face right so true yeah absolutely and we're going to get into your kick in the gut moment here in a minute before we do that how would you how would you describe yourself that's I think there's a lot of facets to all of that. I I think at the core, the way I think about and the thing that drives me the most, sort of my deep, most deep seated why, and I'm not sure of all the reasons for this, 
But I'm a person that's just always been fascinated by and passionate about human performance and seeing the majesty of somebody that whether it's a, an artist performing at the highest level or an athlete or a business owner or a parent, there's something magnificent about seeing the flow of some just being in their work and being in their zone and just seeing the mm, there's like a flow to it right it's like there's oil on the whole thing it's like nice and smooth and it's just it's beautiful to behold somebody do something like whether it's like a Michael Phelps or some of the greatest business leaders that you just look at and you're like that is fascinating and I think it's always really inspired me and I've always wanted to really push my limits, not like push other people's limits and compete and compare myself against other people. But I want to be the absolute best that I can be and do everything I can to take people that are serious about making, becoming everything they can and drawing that out of them and doing everything that I can to empower them, to equip with them with the tools and the mindset that they're going to need to take things to the highest level in their life. So that for me is human potential at its peak is what's probably the most compelling to me. Yeah, I dig that, man. That's, there's just so much energy um, when you're helping, and I'll speak for myself, when I'm helping somebody else reach that next level, whether it's in business or in their personal life with their family, it it, it just draw I draw so much energy off of that. So I totally get that. Now along the way, um, and I'm sure you've dealt with other people. If you, any of us that are working with people, we see a lot of kick in the gut moments, and we do what we can to help them through that. But tell, share with us one of your personal kick in the gut moments. Uh, that really kicked you down, but you came back from and, and what you learned from that and really make us feel that. All right. So I've had a lot of those <laughs> moments. And frankly, I think if you're really pushing the envelope, you're going to have a lot more of those probably than most people mm-hmm. uh, because you're going through life pretty quickly and it creates a tremendous amount of resistance and <clears throat> it requires you to be very streamlined about what you're doing. For me, Uh, one that comes to mind was when I was early in my leadership, early in business and managing and working with employees and just frankly, completely immature and running my business and just the way that I dealt with people, like I was still in high school and wanting to be liked by everybody and wanting everybody to be having like fun and all this stuff. And it was just not it was just not the most professional way to handle things. And it didn't set a good precedent. It wasn't showing great leadership. And that completely backfired on me. I lost a lot of staff at the time. And that can happen anyway. But the reason it was such a kick in the gut moment for me is because I felt I was culpable in that. And I recognized it. It made me dig really deep on a lot of levels. And that's one of my favorite things about failure. Like after you have the whole pity party and being ticked off and everything else, you sort of start to reflect on things and you're picking yourself up. And there's, there's just something you learn when you get kicked in the gut, like you said, and you have to pull yourself back up. And you're like, I never want to experience that again. The, the having, the, the gut and the visceral feeling of that failure so close can drive you so far to being like, I need to really, really become so much better. And, you know, for me, that was about leadership and having to grow in my ability to lead people and to inspire confidence and to be mature about it and run my business like a big kid. And so that as much as it was a total kick in the gut and if I think about it too much, I can still like feel it today, (laughs) but it's been a huge blessing because I made so many changes coming out of that, that I never would have otherwise. And what does that do for you when you're working with other clients and other people knowing that they're headed towards that kick in the gut moment? How, you know, how does that make you feel? And then how does that, um, basically set your mindset to move forward with those individuals? That's a great question. I take that a little bit on a case-by-case basis. If somebody's walking into something and I feel like, for instance, I have somebody (laughs) that I've mentored for a while that I think is about to make a pretty big mistake. And this person, 
I could tell them they're going to make the mistake, but they need to actually go through it. And it's not going to be catastrophic. I think that's where I'm very careful with it. If I can coach somebody around something and they're really ready to have that message resonate, I will talk to them about the mindset that it's going to take and I will warn them about what's coming up. But in this particular case, and in a number of others, I will let people walk into things because I know if they don't feel it, they will never make the change that's necessary. And so as much as I don't want to see them necessarily go through the pain, I will kind of allow that <clears throat> as long as I feel like it's a responsible thing to do. And like I said, it's not going to be catastrophic and like ruin their life. We're not talking about that. But sometimes people just need to feel that and they have, there's no substitute for experience. So that's that's how I tend to think about it with clients. Really depends case by case basis. Yeah, that's a very very good point. Very good answer. I love that. It's like you know, with my own kids. You know, my kids will never go through the hardships that I did at their age unless they just put themselves into that situation. Um, but you know, and I could get into the you know in depth of all that what what that entails. But at the same time, I am who I am because of those experiences. So I find myself having to fabricate and come up with ideas to test their limits and to um, put them into situations where they have to make decisions and some hardship, make them uncomfortable. They have to get uncomfortable in order to appreciate what they have in their lives today. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not easy to do in today's day and age other than, you know, my thing is take them out into the wilderness or, you know, let them experience as many things as possible and, you know, let them fall down on their bikes and rough each other up a little bit and, you know, that kind of stuff. That's right. There's something nice about the not, not being too... Um, where everything's sanitized and we want to protect our kids because we don't want their feelings to get hurt. And it's like, do you need your feelings hurt a lot? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because we're, you know, and we, it's, you know, everybody kind of knows this, I think, but it's, I'm pretty passionate about the fact that <clears throat> There's something very powerful about stressing the system. And I'm not talking about acute stress that is going to cause brokenness, but there's no way to learn to adapt to stress except learning to adapt to stress. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the hardest things, you know, for parents is having the wisdom to know when to sort of let things go a little bit. Hey, you need to kind of step out and experience that a little bit and understanding where to kind of redirect kids' attention because like, yeah, that's not going to be productive and you're not ready for that lesson, not even close. Yeah, perfect example, man. Literally just this morning, I had to drive with my son to drop off his car. Uh, it has some issues anyway, so I had to drive him back. And he was telling me a story about yesterday at work. He works at the airport out here fueling aircraft, and he's in training right now. And one of the baggage guys was yelling at him yesterday because there was some liquid just pouring out of the plane. And my son couldn't see it because the jet was in the way and all the stuff. And the guy was yelling, an older guy, just yelling at him. And they found out it was just water or whatever. But afterwards, the, the, the gentleman came over and said, hey, I'm sorry for yelling at you. You know, I just wanted to get your attention. I didn't know what that was. And my son, he, he totally gets it, man, because he's been around me for so long. I'm a retired master sergeant, so I'm not, I'm not about your feelings. I'm about your well-being. And he knows that. My son's like, dude, don't worry about it, man. I prefer everybody around here be safe. You know, it doesn't hurt my feelings. You got to yell at me to get my attention and make me stop doing something that's appears to be unsafe and you know some people quite frankly would be like you yelled at me you hurt my feelings and i'm gonna go home now and i mean i've literally seen this so i'm not just making this up so <laughs> my thing is and i told him i said hey I, i'm more concerned about your well-being than i am your feelings man he gets it and that's a so that's another thing i love the way that you put that and the way that you approach it because for me my default just based on kind of you know life experience and everything else i have a lot of empathy. I have very, very heavy empathy for people. Like I won't sympathize with them, but I will mm -hmm. empathize with them. But I default to that. Like my wife, as an example, she is very factually based. She can keep things about logic, sequence. She just, her feelings really don't get involved in things. It's very rare when she starts getting like emotional. She's like an emotional rock. <laughs> That's just how she functions. And then I, being on the other side, uh, can be prone to getting pulled into people's stories and like what they're talking about and <clears throat> 
we make a great team because she can be super factual. And if I'm being like, yeah, you know, but this person's going through such and such. And she's like, yeah, but think of X, Y, Z. And she can just list out stuff. I'm like, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Likewise, if she's in situations, especially personnel, um, you know, the folks that work for her, I can help her understand how to word things in a certain way to get an outcome and still achieve something without creating resistance in the system to where the person's going to get offended. And so it's, it's that whole thing of creating cooperation, not resistance. And it's a balancing act is, is what I've found. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's like everybody is so different and being able to gauge that, but not get caught up in their stories and dragged through the weeds of something that it's when you just need to tell them, Hey, you know, get over it, like suck it up and make it work. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I do realize that everybody's from a different place in life. Um, some people have gone through adversity in their life and others, quite frankly, were, were sheltered coming up. That's not any fault of their own whatsoever. So everybody does handle um, critical, you know, uh, a, a critical mind or uh, um, critical feedback. Some people handle it great. Others, not so much at all, <laughs> you know, and, you know, as a leader, you, you really do have to be able to know who you're talking to. It's extremely important to know who you're talking to and maybe have an idea or at least consider what's going on in their life at that time, at that point in time, because that would, you know, change the way that they would react to certain um, conversations or even certain environments and certain situations. Absolutely. And there's some conversations that, well, I, I know I need to have with a staff member or somebody that I'm working with. And timing, timing, timing. Kids know this. Kids know when to ask their parents if they're mm -hmm. smart about it. Right? They like right. wait till they're pretty excited and pretty pumped and in a good mood. And then they throw the request out there because it just doesn't really hit the radar at the same level as if the parents are not in a good place. And so I think finding the time to have especially tough conversations, it's a real art form and it's hard. It's not an exact science. It's an art, but it's an important one to for me to do my best to master every day. Well, absolutely. Because if you are talking about staff members and you have to have a hard conversation, the timing's important not only for that individual's um, well-being, but also for the rest of the staff. Because the longer you let something linger, if it's an issue that's affecting everybody, then it's not fair to them either. The, the rest of your staff that, you know, for whatever the case may be. I mean, we're talking about many, we're, we're speculating about many different scenarios here, but it is very important to be able to have those soft skills to know when and how to do that kind of stuff, have those conversations. Totally agree. Totally so, agree. So we, you know, I'm looking at your website here, uh, bergfordperformance.com. Is it .com or .co? .com. There it is. Um, tell us what that is. What, what What's going on here? Uh, how'd they get started and who's this for? What do you do? So, uh, kind of going back a little ways, I have my background is in psychology. So that's what I like went to school for, um, graduated from university, a psychology degree. And <laughs> round about that same time, I also recognized that in addition to like working with people, I had a way of working with dogs and uh, was very good at that. <clears throat> and actually that over because I was originally in the corporate environment and I eventually built a couple really successful businesses. So of course I was like worked myself out of the corporate uh, world at that point. And in terms of like dog training behavior, daycare, boarding, some businesses in that space. And when I had management in place and had those things running pretty darn smooth, I wanted to be able to have a purpose built platform to do my coaching with people. Right. Because I would it would it would get mixed in with my dog training because naturally that's a relationship it would, when people are having issues with their dogs, especially if they want you to fix their dog. <laughs> you just kind of like you're hitting your forehead and you're like, oh, we're going to have a conversation. And you walk into the situation, you recognize a number of things that are contributing from the people's side to a dog's ill behavior and malfeasance. And. So being able to coach people in that space and also just different people that I've mentored over the years and business and different stuff like that. And so 
like I said, when I had my businesses to a, to a good point, I wanted to go back to my first love and the human performance and psychology and mindset mastery and have a purpose-built platform for that. And so through Bergford Performance Systems, that's where I do speaking engagements for organizations, as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I'm building out some, you know, different courses that are going to be online coming up in 2019 here. So that's a little bit of a 30,000 foot for Bergford Performance Systems. Again, specializing in athletes who are also sort of like business owners, because I'm of that mindset. I get those people. I'm one of those people. And so we tend to resonate really well. The biggest piece of it is that I want to work with people that are true high performers that are looking to get an extra edge. <clears throat> when I was doing uh, perform uh, sorry, strength training and conditioning for people years ago, I just found that I really loved working with like the football players at the university and being part of the, you know, an intern at the strength and conditioning team there. I did not enjoy working in health clubs because it was <laughs> like pushing a limp noodle. And mm -hmm. I was like, I love people, but there was plenty of days where I'm like, I just want to punch you. Would you just do something and stop talking about everything that you want to accomplish? And like, I want to have this, 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 and this. And the, the football players and the athletes at the university, they had batteries included. And those are the type of people that I love working with the drive and the capability and the heart and the desire to give and contribute. Those are the folks that I really, really excel at working with. Yeah, I totally get that, man. I was a uh, group trainer for a while. Um, and exactly that. I mean, some people would want to do personal training and I didn't do personal training because especially if I knew that they just weren't that at that level. And it's interesting that high performers are willing to and know that they need various coaches in their life, not just in fitness, but in other parts of their life as well. Whereas other folks, many of the ones you just mentioned on the other, you know, the pushing the wet noodle type folks, they just don't get it. They, they, they don't see the need for it. <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of sad because it's the difference between somebody who wants things to be different and wishes that mm -hmm. things were a certain way. And that's that's just the wavelength they tend to function on versus mm -hmm. people that are like, I am going to truly do something great and help in a great way in my lifetime. And nothing's going to get in the way of that, including my own ego, which would have me not reach out and ask for coaching and seek that out because a lot of high performers and type A personalities, they're go-getters. They're like, I will get the job done. I will find a way. But they come to a point where they recognize if I really want to kick things up a notch and perform at a higher level, I have got to get in the hip pocket of some people that can cause me to grow and, and stretch me and make me uncomfortable to where I have to move toward that end. And so the goal and the vision and the objectives that those high performing people have, I think it's, I think a lot of those people would rather not get coaching, but they recognize that it is absolutely essential. And so they're like, cool, I'm going to do it because I want to do something great with my life. Nothing's going to stop me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, one thing I want to touch on here, and I just, I don't know, I just feel compelled on having this conversation with you is, um, a couple things, actually. I just finished. I'm actually halfway through again. Um, Can't hurt me by David Goggins, and you know, one of the th I heard him on an interview, actually, and one of the things that he said is that you know he didn't agree with the idea of getting coached by somebody who is who who has done something. As we were talking about earlier, you're talking about your past. I did this. I did this. I did this, and now I'm coaching in this. And his thing was, he said, that, you know, why would you get coached by somebody who's not currently doing what you want to get better at. And I just, of all the things, David's great. I, I dig his book. I dig a lot of stuff that he does, but that's the one thing I have to push back on because how many f professional football coaches ever made it to the Super Bowl or ever played professional football even? And I, how many, you know, weight loss trainers were ever overweight or are currently overweight and trying to lose weight. So that kind of blows that whole concept out of the water. What are your <laughs> thoughts about that? And I'll bring up the other thing. 
I love that you said that because I was like, I hope he doesn't agree with that statement. Yeah, I do not. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I, don't, I don't either. And I, I think I understand where the, that's coming from is you want to you want to check that the person has fruit in their life right. and that they know what the heck is going on and that they've actually accomplished some things, especially if you want to. But when we're talking about coaching, let me give you an example. So I swim with a guy. He'll show up to like master's practice probably once a week. And he was a division one swimmer, insanely fast. And I love swimming with him, even though I'm chasing him and gasping half the time because he's, he's just, he's out of my league, but being with him, it's, it's this, I love it. It's this game of kind of chasing to kind of catch and keep up because he pulls me along in that nobody else wants to swim with him because it's horrendous, but it makes you better. And I love doing it. The fascinating piece is when I ask him why he's so fast or I'll ask him for tips in a certain stroke, he can never give me a good answer. I mean, this is a guy who can get it done. He's a great swimmer. He's one of those guys that Dave was talking about. However, he's horrible at coaching. And I love the guy. He's a great encourager. He can spot what's wrong. And he'll tell you like, hey, man, when you're doing such and such when you're swimming, um, it's, it's not right. And then I'm like, so what should I do to fix it? And he's like, I don't know, dude. It's just not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks for that. So I agree with you. Most great football coaches, they weren't the greatest of all time as a football player, but they're phenomenal, phenomenal coaches. And I think that's another thing to recognize. Some people have dreams and aspirations to excel in a certain venue, and they may not really get there in their mind and accomplish what they wanted. But all the, all the while that may have been leading them to a place where, you know what, you're going to have a huge impact on the life of kids that you actually coach if you will choose to go into that and to serve in a different capacity. So I think that coaching and actually being able to do the thing are very, very, very different. I agree 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's some brilliant people out there that would make terrible teachers, terrible coaches. They just don't have it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> when I first heard that, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. But then you got somebody like, and you can point at somebody else, like, um, one, uh, a leader that everybody follows and I'm using air quotes, although you can't see me. Um, Simon Sinek, great guy, great books, great content, great information. He's never led a, a squad in the military yet. He's written books on military leadership. He studied it. And a lot of people follow him for his leadership style and his leadership content, but I can't find anything that he's ever truly led. That's not a hit on him. I'm just saying that that's an example that you got somebody out there who's known as a thought leader in leadership and has never really led anything of significance as far as I can tell anyway. And it comes down to being able to really dig in and get results for other people. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it boils down to. Right. Like, for instance, I've never been in any of the sort of different things that I've done through my life, different um, industries, et cetera. I've never been particularly big, frankly, on degrees and certifications. I do not think there's anything wrong with them whatsoever. But I think the main thing is, can you get in the trenches and can you get the job done and help other people get what they want? Nobody cares if you have 52 degrees and you're a coach and you can't help them do Jack Diddley. Thank you. It's about the freaking result. Now, if you have all the degrees too, I think that that's great mm -hmm, because sure. then you're yeah. going to have some, you're going to have some depth that you wouldn't have otherwise. But it it's about the result to me. And um, man, if you can master that, the rest of it doesn't really like. I don't even get that question a lot. Like people are like, "Are you certified?" or like different things. <laughs> I'm like surprised when people ask me that question because I'm like, "Are you kidding right now?" If you want to go find somebody that has a ton of certifications, be my guest. I'm totally committed to the result and I couldn't care less about how great you think I am. I just want to get you to where you want to go. I've never had that question. Even when I was a fitness coach, I never had that question as a business strategist. And what's more is I don't ask that questions of people that I'm considering as a, as a coach in my life and whatever part it is. Ironically enough, none of them are certified. None of the ones that I've ever hired myself have ever been certified in any sort of coaching whatsoever. And they've gotten me freaking tremendous results. So there. 
<laughs> Boom, mic drop. <laughs> but again, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But that's not what I gave. That's, I, it's like you just said, 100%. Uh, exactly what you just said. So, man, what are some good news stories coming out of what you've been doing so far? Good news stories. Well, um, I think... I think seeing me impact people in a different way and having having the time and access to do that, because I was just working with a different set of clientele before when I was doing more like dog training and behavior rehabilitation and all of that and working through my businesses. I'm just I've been exposed to a lot of different people at this point out of the coaching side and speaking. And so it's just very uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to get out there and really truly connect with people and to offer part of yourself that you hadn't fully like appreciated and fleshed out before. And, you know, the more you give, like the more you have to give. And it's just this, uh, it's a beautiful process. And I love the feeling of Again, being able to come in, dig in deep with somebody, help them in their own life, whether that they've got like personal stuff going on or they got business issues or they're working on, again, athletic or sports performance. It's like, I don't care. Getting the psychology in place and having powerful systems that you can run off of. I love that because I love seeing other people win and being a part of that. Like, I don't need to be the person out in the spotlight. I just love seeing clients out in the spotlight and enjoying their life and loving it. And when we talked in the beginning about gratitude, and even before we hopped on the call, I was like, I love this guy because we're totally on the same page. Abundance is something, it, again, it's a, it's a mindset. And, and I don't say this to be flippant, but if you live in the United States of America, even if you're in abject poverty, you are unbelievably wealthy compared to most of the people in the world. Mm. And so f for us to be complaining about things just seems insane to me. We have so much to be grateful for. And I think you just have to start in a place of recognizing what you already have. I think the people who never really experience abundance are the people who need the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And there's nothing wrong with going to something new and something next. But if you don't feel rich where you are right now, I don't care how much money and prestige you pile on top of it. It's never going to freaking change. If you can't understand how to create a psychology of appreciation and gratitude on the front end, you're going to be, in my experience, super disappointed because, like you said earlier, like if something happens to that, let's say somebody does achieve their wildest dreams, it's going to be empty and they're probably going to have destroyed a lot of relationships along the way because they've been so hard charging and not looking around and recognizing, man, I'm blessed right now in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's so interesting that we're having this conversation and you've brought up a couple of times um, rehabilitation of dogs and you just mentioned the poverty. I just listened this morning on the drive out to drop my son's car off um, an episode of Jordan Harbinger and he was having a conversation with Cesar Milan, uh, the dog whisperer. And he brought up that, of course, you know what he does, but he was he came from a level of poverty and he broke it down. You know, he said poverty isn't not having money. Poverty is not having money, health care, ability to go to school, um, you know, those things that we that we have here, no matter what, even the homeless can walk into an ER and get health care. Right? They can be seen. Um, I've been to 23 countries on five continents. I've seen true poverty. And I agree with you. You know, it sounds flippant to say, you know, and even Caesar says, the United States, and I even heard a guy the other day from the UK who's who moved here from or he moved here from London. He'll never go back. He'll always be in the, in the United States as long as they can, will have him, uh, as he says, because it, it's a great place that we live in. But there's so many people out there that are so they're they're just not thankful for the things that they have in their life, and abundance it has nothing to do. Money helps. Don't get me wrong. I like making money, but. Being abundance is being grateful for what you have in your life today in the form of relationships, in the form of your health, in the form of the ability to get care, go to school and get educated, even if you can jump on YouTube and get educated. 
Yep, 100%. And when you have things like, for instance, those bad days we've all had, where we're like, do mm-hmm. I just attract negative attention? Like, what is happening? <laughs> and it's this cascade of one crappy thing after the next, after the next, and it mm-hmm. just keeps going. There's something about putting yourself in a place of a because we are in places of abundance, especially in this country. I mean, it's un, it's unbelievable. And I'm not saying there's not problems. I, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm just right. saying that we all have things to be grateful for. It could be a lot worse. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, it could for sure be worse. And if we'll just keep perspective on that, I've found that when I get myself on a roll, when I get myself on a roll, not when the world happens to line up the way that I like it, but when I really start to push things a little bit and get the momentum going in the right direction of abundance. Again, instead of having like the crap constantly hitting the fan, it tends to have the snowball effect of more abundance and more abundance. And I see it in more places and it's, and I start to, I don't know, like to call it a, a attraction or whatever, but there is something to that. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a star athlete sometimes you get on a roll and you get hot. And when people get hot, like get the ball into their hands because they're going to make a play. And the thing that I think is so powerful is when people can understand folks can be super athletic and great in business and like great in family and stuff, but they can also, even though they're conditioned in those other areas or maybe even spiritually, they may not be conditioned very well mentally. They may not give a lot of attention to the mental training aspect, which affects everything in our daily life. And when people do give consistent attention to that, it's magical (laughs) how the world around them tends to transform and they see more of what they've always wanted. But it starts with a genuine sense of like gratitude and offering thanks to whoever has helped get you where you are. God, the universe, like, I don't care. Just give thanks and praise somewhere. There's a lot of power in that. There's huge power in that. And like you said, we are in a place of abundance in a physical place of abundance, but a lot of people are not in a mental place of abundance. And once you change your story, you will change your life. And you've heard me say this time and time again, guys. So Brian, we're at the point in our conversation where we are going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Sure thing. <laughs> Excellent. Hit me. outstanding so share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today well i think just piggybacking off what we were just talking about making sure that you schedule and you build into your daily life some type of and this can i don't care if it sounds corny like just do it in a way that resonates with you having some type of a practice of gratitude because Things like gratitude can hit us in certain moments, but if you actually have an active practice of it going into that and experiencing it and remembering things that you can be grateful for and appreciating the moment we're in right now and then maybe looking out to the future and being grateful for things that are going to happen and that the best days are ahead of you, one would be for sure some type of a gratitude practice. Um, I've also been on a huge planning kick lately. So, you know, with obviously we don't have time to get into like all the logistics, but I work with this a lot in my clients and it's a little different for everybody, but you need a system in place of reflection and planning. I want to reflect on what I've just done maybe in the past week or whatever, and then I need to plan for the future, but it has to be a ritualized thing. I can't do it when it comes to mind or when somebody, re- only when I'm reminded on like a podcast or in a book I'm reading, I've got to build that into my to my life. So I would say gratitude, then we would go into planning. And then probably the next thing, just because this came to me in the moment, would be try something new. Try something new, have a discipline of trying something new, like once a week, once a month. And that can be anything like a different activity or just changing your routine a little bit, because we don't tend to learn anything new when we get too much into a pattern of the same thing, the same thing the same thing. But when you kind of break out of that and you are very intentional about doing something outside of the norm and something that's going to make you uncomfortable, you're like, uh, I don't know, I'm going to go try a jujitsu class, (laughs) 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 whatever it might be, or like a painting class, just do something a little bit different and potentially with somebody that, that you love, you know, your wife, husband, maybe go with them, experience 
experience can really truly shape you and it can make you much better in the industry that you're in. I think a lot of people stay stuck and they only study their industry and then they don't have the cross section of other areas of life to give different perspectives. And so I would encourage people to A, have a gratitude practice, B, have a plan, reflection and planning practice, and C, have scheduled in where every week or every month you're doing something that you've never tried to do before. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm all about rituals. And that's the next question about what rituals make the biggest impact in your life. But at the same time, I'm very much about switching things up a little bit and experiencing as much as possible. So that being said, what are the rituals that make the biggest impact in your life, Brian? So I would say, well, one, (laughs) getting up at four in the morning and like hitting the pool from five to seven, like six days a week, right? That is something that for me, I'm up, I'm rising, I'm getting my body moving, I'm and that covers so many areas for me, um, my like physically, mentally, spiritually, like I just and I get a lot of um, sort of excitement around when I go to practice, what type of workout there's going to be. So it's a great way for me to start my day, especially for folks that can tend to put off maybe taking care of their bodies. I'm like, get something in place where it's the first thing you do, right? Like eat the frog, mm, yeah. <laughs> that whole thing. Um, this second huge thing for me, I would say, is meditation, uh, as well as emotional conditioning and going into some of the gratitude and some other states is, is, a, is a huge thing for me. And again, meditation is something that like some people will scoff at, especially if you're type A. It's very easy not to meditate. You're like, why am I going to waste time sitting around like, mm? and I completely understand that because that's kind of where I came from. But if you're a hard charging person, those quiet moments to me have become the most powerful because my brain can reset. And I'm just a totally different person when I have that ritual in place. So I would say like the exercise thing, um, meditation. And then the third one I would throw out there is every day being really intentional about being very present with my wife especially when she needs me to be present. Like there's times when we can be talking and I'm doing like 15 other things and like, that's fine. And she does the same with me, but there's other times where my presence is really important. And so I really work every day to be present, especially any time that I notice she probably really needs me to be a hundred percent on her right now. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely important for me. One of the most important things personally. So what would you recommend that our abundant leaders read or listen to and why? Oh, I, I would recommend they listen to this podcast a lot. <laughs> I, appreciate, I agree and I appreciate that. You know, it's interesting. I think that you have to know what feeds your soul. And so there's a lot of things that I've read that have really impacted me. You know, like a couple books last year that just come top of mind that I really loved. One was Autobiography of a Yogi. Super powerful book. Uh, just a very different sort of take and angle on spirituality than what I was raised with. But it was fascinating and it added some depth for me for sure. So I love that book. Uh, also, um, Stealing Fire was a great, great, great book um, from last year that I read. And again, but it's finding things that resonate with with you and trusting your gut. So I have a pile of like 10 different books. And when I'm looking for the next book that I'm going to read, sometimes intellectually, I will want to read one. But there's this little thing in my spirit that's like, read this one next. Mm -hmm. And so I think listening to your own intuition about that is unbelievably important. And also, when you hear things from people like book recommendations, uh, especially if it's around somebody that has a lot of they're very heavy fruit bearing people pay attention to the media and the information that they're putting in their head because they're, if they're busy people, they're not just throwing their time away. They're very intentional about that. So ask around. Yeah. Very, very good points. I absolutely love that you said that. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? I, I think the people getting caught up in if then, problems. So, uh, and this 
this I was just thinking about, this is funny how <laughs> all this is coming up. So I just started thinking about this a lot yesterday that people put a lot of conditions on their own happiness. And it's this like if then relationship, if like these things line up, then I will allow myself to experience X, Y, and Z. And I think that's unbelievably like backward. Now there, there's the other, there's the flip side where people want to like feel really confident in themselves and like they haven't done anything to deserve it. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And so I understand, I understand that piece of it, but a lot of people really hold themselves hostage and it's like, if I do all these things, then I can experience this instead of like, what if you tomorrow or today, maybe today would be a great time. What if you just flip that and you allowed yourself access to those powerful emotions that are probably going to drive more powerful behaviors and a better psychology that's going to cause you to accomplish more instead of like this pressure cooker thing of like, I've got to grind and I've got to grind and I've got to grind. And then like, if I do all those things, it just seems like self-flagellation to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, if you're type A, you're a go-getter, a lot of folks, at least for myself, very naturally was very hard on myself. And I think finding that balance of being kind to yourself and relieving some of the pressure and not putting so many conditions around your own happiness could really probably help a lot of people. I know it has for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the so many people always wait until, you know, like someday, someday is not a day on the calendar. You know, just take action right now, right, you know, today um, holds a lot of people back from waiting for that perfect moment to X, whatever that is for you. Yep. And then if that perfect moment is some date out in the future where they have something coming up that they're totally looking forward to and it doesn't go the way they want, it's unbelievably devastating for them. Mm. Right. Yeah, because they they put their happiness out in the future on something that they have really no control over. I can influence results, but I cannot control results. You like you cannot control results, in my opinion. You can control your process and the work that goes into it. And you can reuse results as kind of a checkpoint and saying, hmm, I might need either. Wow. What I did really worked. What was I doing leading up to that? that put me in a position to win that way. Um, but again, we can't control that end result. And so if we're putting our happiness out in the future, uh, I mean, you can mm -hmm. do it. It's not, I mean, it's not my life, but I think that it's going to suck for you. <laughs> yeah. I talked to one guy I thought was really interesting. I talked to one guy and he, you know, in around the subject right here. And he said on a regular basis, like maybe once a month or every other month or something like that, they, their family has what's called a terminal day. And it's a day that they even they just take off school, take off work. It's like today's the last day of my life. And they treat it like that. And they literally go on a vacation, depending on how long they're going to take, go on a vacation, go do something they have never done in their life that they've wanted to do. And it's just extremely fulfilling for them to be able to do something like that on a regular basis. That's pretty cool. And maybe that's something that would be a great part of the, that third practice of doing something different. Right. Uh, we, you know, again, when we're reminded in a visceral way, not an intellectual way of our own mortality, things can tend to shift a little bit. And we're like, ooh, okay, all of a sudden the important things start to pop up instead of all the things that we've been making important that maybe aren't. And I think that's a really powerful thing you just brought up. So kudos to that person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Love it. So what does living a life of abundance mean to you? I, I think it's the gratitude thing. And then I think it's, um, recognizing that if we have anything we have that we're gifted with, it's an ability to give that is the, like the most powerful thing. And I think one of the most selfish things that in the, that exist in the world today is people scared of success and winning and like success can be a lot of different things, but scared of really like reaching out and stepping into the fullness of who they are but that fear that's holding them back is there's people out there like praying for an answer and that person could be the answer to somebody's prayer. And so I think it's that, you know, practicing gratitude, recognizing what we have and then saying, listen, I have, a, I have a res this awesome responsibility and the privilege and especially living in an incredible country like we do with men and women that have fought for us to be free, to be able to go out and really truly give back and then you start to step into a whole nother world of abundance. So that's what it means to me.
Wonderful. Well, we're going to close this up, man. Before we do, I want to make sure that, you know, I mentioned uh, BergfordPerformance.com. That's BergfordPerformance.com. But what else did we not talk about that you want to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? I think we talked about everything in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, man, I just, you know, if there's, listen, if there's anything that, I don't know, if there's anything that I can do to help people, um, please let me know. I do think that if people, uh, this might be something, if people go on to BergfordPerformance.com, if they scroll down to the bottom of any page, um, there's like a little like sign up thing to get a uh, five performance optimization hacks I learned at the Olympic Training Center. That's a great document and read that I put together. It takes about 10 minutes to go through and it's just got some really practical performance tips that I think would potentially add a lot of value to people. And not all of it is necessarily obviously new information, but sometimes just being reminded of something or hearing about it in a little different way gives us a better depth of understanding. And if people have anything that I can help with, they're welcome to like, just shoot me a personal email uh, at info at bergfordperformance.com. Bergford is spelled like an iceberg, B-E-R-G, and Ford like the car company. Excellent, excellent. And I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and uh, guys, go there, check out that information. Every little, you know, every little technique helps and gravitate to, you know, take in what, what works best for you. So that's one of those things we were talking about earlier, trying something new. If what you've been doing so far isn't really getting you the level of performance you want, hey, try something new. Go check that out. Brian, it's been a great conversation, man. Go out, live your life of abundance and keep paying it forward. I'm really digging it. All right. Thank you so much. I genuinely appreciate you having me on. Appreciate it so much. My pleasure. So your action step today is to figure out what you have to do to master your mindset and master your mental game. It's not always easy to do, guys. And every time you're trying to do something new, I tell you this all the time, figure out a way to get somebody on your side, a coach, a mentor, somebody that is where you want to be in that part of your life. Hire them if you have to, but get very close to them. Get into a mastermind group. Do not go it alone. I'm telling you, You can ethically cut the line to success by hiring a coach or a mentor and paying somebody so that you don't make the same mistakes they did and get to the level of success that you want to be at, spending much less time and much less money and other resources. Now, go out and live your life of abundance. And guys, make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.